So, uh, so we're in Proverbs. Now, remember, Proverbs, we believe that all Scripture is inspired by God. That means it's God-breathed. Okay? Peter tells us that no Scripture comes through private interpretation, but holy men of God wrote as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit or moved by the Holy Spirit. And when Paul tells Timothy that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God or that it's theopneustos, which means God breathed, uh, that, that, that means it's, he goes on to say it's profitable for doctrine, that is what is to be believed, um, and for teaching and exhortation and encouragement and correction, and that the man of God might be complete uh, trained up in all righteousness. And so, um, and so that's a wonderful theology that we believe, but also as you study like, um, bibliology, uh, you get, uh, into these different genres that might be a little bit harder to interpret, although they seem so easy sometimes. Okay. And you come to the Proverbs and all these great, um, lyrics are written and, and it would be very easy to take a proverb that says, train up your child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And so parents, how many of you know, many parents, maybe you're here tonight and you have, you're a parent and you trained up your child. They were in Sunday school. They were at midweek study. They were in Awana. They went to a Christian school, homeschooled, so on and so forth. And right now, I mean, it's like, it seems like a hopeless case, you know, or a hard situation. And you go, what about that promise? And it's just interesting because when you study the Proverbs, it's just important to know that they're not necessarily promises, but idioms and poetic phrases that are what happens most of the time. Okay, so this is wisdom for young men, and of course we all can get wisdom from it. But we just have to learn how to uh, interpret the Bible. And in kind of with Proverbs, you're a little less wooden than you are in other genres because it's poetic and it's wisdom literature. And so it is true most of the time. And we still can like pray those things and believe for those things. And how many of us have also had children that have been wayward and they were the prodigal that came home, you know, and then we shout out that proverb and rejoice and claim it, right? Um, but there's just times where we'll be studying Proverbs this year and you'll see something and you're like, gosh, how is that How's that true right now in my situation? You know, and it's not that it's not true. It's just what works and happens most of the time. Okay, does that make sense? All right, so it's the Word of God. It's just a different genre than maybe you're used to, okay? Um and so as we uh, get into this, uh, we're going to look at verse one. And I just mentioned that I, um, and you know what? Uh, oh, we are recording. Yeah, Ron, thank you. Let's give Ron a hand and Christy. They do this every week in the park. Bring the camera. And we're thankful for that because that is a huge blessing. I almost just got my phone out to record, but I don't need to now because you're. Um, and so was planning on just kind of taking these few hours to go through Proverbs and study and um, sometimes it's a little easier of a study for me, which is kind of nice, you know, and then I got to verse one, I'm like, Oh no, I wish I would have taken three more days to study this one, you know, and, and here it is. Wine is a mucker, strong drink is a brawler and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. And you know, what would be wise is praying over our time in the word before we move forward through 30 verses tonight, huh? Oh, well, if you've been with us the last two years, Casey, (laughs) you would know what chapter we're in. And if you've been memorizing the scripture, like you claim that you do, you would know this verse by heart and that it's Proverbs chapter 20 verse one. I'm just teasing. Casey's one of my best friends, and so she knows I can just razz her like, I mean, well, I know I can razz her like that. I don't know if she knows that. And Lord, uh, we do just come to you tonight. We just know we're in the park, and it's so special to us. Just my life history was as a youth. I just was stirred up to follow you through services in the park, just like this. 
And uh, we're aware that there are people who don't know you around us. And Lord, would you just um, soften their heart and just let us just be like a big salt lick right now that's just salt of the earth that would make them so thirsty for you. And um, we think of times past where people have become a part of our church through joining a park service and walking up, Lord. And so do that. And then also just help us with this these Proverbs that are your word. And um, just let them be like well-driven nails to us tonight. And, uh, and just some of the tougher ones, Lord, let us chew on those and just really yield to them. Let us surrender to the word tonight, not vice versa. Um, and so we just lay it all down before you tonight in Jesus name. Amen. amen. So wine is a mocker, uh, in mind are intoxicating drinks and beers and ciders and, uh, ranch water, you know, and, uh, all that kind of stuff, uh, is what is in mind here that it's, that it is a mocker or it's a chatterer or it's a scoffer. And strong drink is noisy. That's what Brawler speaks of initially is noisy, tumultuous, turbulent. And, uh, and so wine is a mocker. Strong drink is a brawler. And, uh, and I think one thing that's helpful when you study a verse like this, because one thing you'll see when we go through the Proverbs, we're going to be hopscotching so many different topics tonight. Sometimes he comes back and connects again, a dot to a dot, and sometimes he doesn't. And this would be one point that he doesn't really. And yet there's wisdom literature all throughout Proverbs and Psalms that speak of wine and, and intoxicating drink. And so it's so important, though, Genesis through Revelation, to hold all of our understandings of subjects with the whole and the totality of scripture. And so ultimately what the wise Solomon would be speaking of here is the abuse of the intoxicating drink. Okay. It would be the misuse of this wine or of this strong drink. And there's probably not one of us here that doesn't have any sort of a connection to a misuse of intoxicating drink. Um, I often think of my uncle Ron, who um, was not a believer, um, but still loved me a whole lot and really was generous to my family through through many trials and cancers and things that our family went through. And my uncle Ron uh, struggled um, with addiction to alcohol all of my life uh, until just maybe it was four or five years ago he died um, from uh, the diabetes that would come from such a an abuse of alcohol. And before that he lost his leg, uh, from it and, and ended up dying from bleeding out of the leg and just really, um, really tragic and hard on our family and, and such close cousins that my whole life, they, um, you know, our Thanksgivings would be my, my cousins and my aunt having an intervention up in the you know family room with him you know, and all of that. And then, and then on the other side of the family, um, Justin can probably attest to me on the Rogers side, you know, Justin's my cousin. If you haven't met Justin yet, um, just, uh, abuse on the Rogers side of alcohol as well. So I'm well aware of the misuse and the abuse of alcohol. And then just being out as a missionary in our culture, uh, see it regularly and among ranchers that I work with and things. Um, and so there is, there is no doubt in my mind that the abuse and the misuse of alcohol is can be very destructive. And the idolatry that can go towards a substance uh, where one hopes to find hope and refuge and peace and comfort and all of those things and a good time, you know, uh, that when our idol, it, when our God isn't Jesus, it doesn't matter what it is, it's going to bring um, destruction and torment and disaster and so I think every one of us would be able to read this verse and say, man, the abuse of wine, man, it is a mocker. It just leads an individual to be a chatterer and to be a scoffer. The abuse of strong drink is a brawler and just makes people noisy and tumultuous and turbulent. 
And uh, yesterday we were at 4th of July out in Polina. And um, if you know, we have a, a church plant out there and we have a ranch ministry that's out there all the time and people from our church out there. And I love these community events in Polina, like the rodeo in September. We do a church service and a pre, free, uh, free pancake feed. You know, we do a, a 4th of July outreach. We did that yesterday. And there's a cornhole tournament that the store puts on or, or that a local puts on. The store helps and everything. And, you know, it was probably about 930 when I saw the first Keystone light roll out of the cooler there, you know, and probably about 10, 1030, you know, the, uh, the Coors banquets were coming out, you know, and so on and so forth. And but, you know, it was probably not noon when I noticed it had gone from, you know, uh, one beer, two beers to, you know, there's some red eyes right now and the volume on the, the voices is getting louder and the language is getting fouler. And, um, and then as we talk about brawler, um, I mean, I just love these people and I'm just going and talking to them. If there's a couple, and if you know how it is, you know how it is that you're just waiting for it to just turn to maybe get a little hairy. You know what I'm saying? A little hairy. And, um, and I, I don't think I saw anything like that while I was there. One guy had a bloody lip from playing in one of those bouncy balls that you bounce off of each other. But, and then on my way back in, there was a sheriff, sheriff's department and ambulance heading out that way. So I'm not quite sure what maybe ended up. But, um, and so just, I think most of us are kind of aware of how, you know, abusing and misusing can turn, um, maybe a nice day into a hard day and a rough day and a sin-filled day, uh, no doubt. Um, but my conviction and really the conviction of our church over the years is not um, that of like a hard and fast rule of uh, teetotalism, you know, and that Christians must abstain from alcohol. That is not my conviction. I've done deep studies in the Word, um, and, uh, and our church even went through an issue, I don't know, probably almost 10 years ago, you know, where we just took a pause as a church, um, from drinking and from alcohol and just dove into the word and kind of fasted and searched theology, searched church history, searched the Bible. And it was something that my church had done in Corvallis as well at one point where there was a rule at one point at Calvary Corvallis where, you know, um, just really discouraging that. And, uh, and then just looking at that, you know, we want to just be governed by the word. And this is just me, and I would just say my conviction in my studying is that uh, you don't see the hard and fast rule over Christians or over church leadership. What you do see is propriety, moderation, and that we love each other enough to be sensitive to each other's consciences. Absolutely no drunkenness. Amen? Amen. Like, so if you're a Christian and, and you feel like God has given you that liberty to, to enjoy um, a Corona with your taco, you know, or a craft beer from Bend with your pepperoni pizza or something like that, it is on you as a Christian to be proper in that. You're filled with the Spirit. You have a sense of the gospel and a hold on the gospel. You don't have that as an idol in your life. You just like the flavor of the, the Hefeweizen, you know, with the, with the wheat from the crust and whatever, you know. But you would say, no drunkenness, okay? Number one. Number two, total sensitivity to conscience around you. That's 1 Corinthians, that's Romans, that's New Testament, that we love each other enough to know what our brothers around us convictions are and we're sensitive and this is not offensive at all but the new testament would call the other brother the weaker brother okay the weaker brother that's not that's not a dig that's not a slam just like hebrews calls our wives um weaker vessels uh it speaks more of like fine china versus blue tin campware, you know? And so it's just the same thing with the other convictions. There's just that finer conviction and sensitivity, and it's a beautiful thing, you know? That's not a bad thing. And many people who have that conviction, they've come out of pasts of 
partying and abusing alcohol and or seeing their family and their loved ones. And I have a friend who he doesn't have any problem with people having a beer or something, no problem, but he watched what it did to his dad's behavior around the home and he never wants to behave that way. And I think that's such a beautiful conviction to have for your family. Um, but but my conviction is no drunkenness. And that is something that we hold each other accountable in within the church. Number two, sensitivity to conscience. And I have nobody in mind right here at all, but I think we could grow church in our sensitivity to conscience with one another. And and I don't mean that like um, I, I, I've not seen anything really recently. This is like, I just remember seeing stuff in the past. It's like, hey, you know, me and my honey are out celebrating, you know, with the, you know, this or that or whatever. And we're posting in and it's like, man, you have so many friends that maybe struggle. Like, I don't know if that's wise, you know, and I think with all of this, there's, there's, you know, what is wise and that maybe dad and grandpa would speak into you that we love what dad and grandpa and pastor speak as far as wisdom goes. And, and yet even with wisdom, I remember being part of a church leadership meeting where my pastor Rob just said, I just can't get to where I would put a hard and fast rule on anybody because I don't see that in scripture. And and many elders would speak up and speak really good things. And he say, I hear you. I hear you. And I think that's wisdom. But that's not the rule. Okay. So uh, I'm just kind of speaking from my heart right now. Um, because Proverbs shows us. Uh, an instance of where the abuse brings loud, tumultuous, scoffing, brawling behavior. It certainly goes there. And we know that and we don't deny that. Um, and I just remember uh, receiving um, literature and going through the, the Testament or the Old Testament and New Testament passages regarding uh, wine, alcohol, all of these things and just principles of interpretation and studying wherever there was the strong warning and the strong exhortation, the context behind it would be drunkenness. Okay. Um, and so all that to say, um, I think my conviction is what Martin Luther would say, uh, what John Piper would say, what Charles Spurgeon would say, what Alistair Begg would say. Some teetotalers, some not, uh, but some that would just say, hey, no to drunkenness, sensitivity to conscience. Um, Martin Luther said in Latin, uh, he said, uh, abuse does not take away proper use. And then he went on to apply it to other things in our life. And you can kind of think of those things in our culture today. What other things do we have in our life that have been abused but there's still good things designed by God to be enjoyed properly. Okay. And so I'm just, I'm not going to take all this time to go through this, but you might think women, you know, you might think, um, and this is a family service. So whole, what holy matrimony brings, you know, uh, certainly abuses there doesn't take away proper use. Uh, Psalm 23, um, Pity the fool who gets to teach that in a couple weeks. I'm not sure who that is yet. Uh, but it goes into a long uh, treatise, or I say the word treatise, but uh, passage regarding like, man, if you're seeking out the wine and you're, you're lingering around the wine and you're looking into its dregs, you know, and you're just, you know, hypnotized by the red of it, you know, like that's not a healthy place to be where you're just, it speaks of really idolatry. Okay, um, and uh, I'm just thinking through some of the verses. Well, let me just read some of the verses that I've got. Um, the Young's literal translation of our verse tonight says, uh, Wine is a scorner, strong drink is noisy, and any going astray in it is not wise. Uh, the New Living Translation paraphrase says, Wine produces mockers, alcohol leads to brawls. Those led astray by drink cannot be wise. 
We know this from some of the heroes of the Old Testament. Noah, man, just the victory after the arky arky. And he plants a vineyard and, uh, and drinks of the wine and, uh, and gets drunk. And then some indiscretion happens among the family. And we don't totally know what it was, but it was not good. And, uh, and so our hero Noah um, would be one that this proverb, you know, would point to. Um, Isaiah 28 says they've also erred through wine and through intoxicating drink. They're out of the way. The priest and the prophet have erred through intoxicating drink. They're swallowed up by wine. They're out of the way through intoxicating drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. For all tables are full of vomit and filth, and no place is clean. Um, and so certainly uh, the abuse, right? We see it. We know it. Uh, Psalm 104 might speak towards the opposite side and the blessing of wine. Uh, in 104.14, he causes the grass to grow for the cattle and the vegetation for the service of man that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine that makes glad the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread which strengthens man's heart. I'll just share too. I'm aware of the literature regarding wine and new wine and grape juice, and it was all grape juice and what they drink. I'm not there. I'm just going to let you know. In my studying and my research, talking to my wife has a food, um, was it food technology and processing degree. And uh, if you remember Fred, he's a welder here in town from France. You know, wine is big. You know, also, man, you're doing this teaching in France. Like, it's a whole different audience that you're talking to, you know. And it ultimately, my understanding, there's a lot smarter people than me out there. Wine means wine, okay? The same stuff they were drinking back in the day could be abused. It, let's say it's slightly fermented grape juice. It got them in trouble if they weren't properly handling it and, and drinking it. Okay. And so here we see that, um, this is not what I plan on the whole teaching being on. So I will be moving right along. Um, I, like I said, I just got into verse one and I'm like, man, I, I think, I think I owe you guys some time on this topic, you know? Um, and, uh, but you may appreciate the creation of the Lord in this that wine makes glad the heart of man. So that's one of the proper uses of wine. Judges 9.13, But the vine said to them, Should I cease my new wine, which cheers both God and man? Should I cease making my new wine? Kind of a little uh, parable happening. It, it would cheer. Who does it cheer? Judges says God and man. And so I think maybe in heaven on the marriage supper of the lamb, there might be some goblets on the table. I don't know, you know, but uh, uh, Ecclesiastes 10:19, a feast is made for laughter and wine makes merry. Wine makes merry. So there's just maybe the proper use, beneficial side, good side, not abuse side. Uh, Proverbs 31, I know I think of Proverbs 31 as just the virtuous woman chapter, right? Uh, but here in Proverbs 31, give strong drink to him who is perishing and wine to those who are bitter of heart. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. And uh, it's kind of just a, a funny little sweet memory that I have when we were going through this discussion as a church, um, we were going through, um, the, the negative positions, the positive positions, maybe the negative is the positive and the positive is, the, you know what I mean? Like both sides and, uh, just thinking through things. And, uh, it was one of those one o'clock in the morning elders meetings. And Kathy's son, Kevin was, uh, an elder at the time. And we're standing, you know, sometimes our elders meetings, we, we couldn't get out the door. <laughs> they were at my house. So we'd stand at the stairs for like a long time and talk, talk, talk. And, um, Lindsay brought up, Hey, doesn't it say 
give wine to those who are bitter of heart and let him drink and forget his poverty and his misery no more? And I just remember Kevin, if you know Kevin, just love him, uh, says, uh, it doesn't say that anywhere. <laughs> and then he came back like a day later, I have to apologize to you. It totally says that right there, you know? Um, so all of that to say, like, there's, there's certainly the destructive aspect of abusing it. And I would just say, you know, if, if you come from a family where the abuse was and you just know, like, man, I don't know if there's something genetically there and I'm just, maybe I've seen it or maybe I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm just afraid to go there. I think that's the Lord giving you conviction on that. And that's a beautiful thing. Or if you used to be a party animal and you just know, I can't go back to that. That would not, like the Lord has not given me that liberty. That's a beautiful thing. You may be someone that was in that place though. And you need to go before the Lord with this and maybe talk to a brother about this or a sister. Where there's been freedom and a broken curse and the Lord wants to give you that freedom. Now that's, that's in that. And I I would just say you could pray about that. And I've talked to pastors who were teetotalers to the extreme that came to a point and said, I think the Lord is like helping me through the gospel to realize this is an idol is no thing. And in the same way that the the idols in the New Testament that the meat was sacrificed to, it's no thing. It's liquid in a cup, and I'm a child of God, full of the Holy Spirit, and I can properly use this. And the Lord is, is uh, and I think that's something you bring a brother into your life and just get wisdom on that. Um, and then if you are somebody that you feel the Lord's given you that liberty, never drunkenness, always sensitive to the consciences around you, um, is it everything that we do to be for the glory of God, whether we eat or whether we drink or all that we do, how we play cornhole at the tournament, how we, you know, drive our car through the neighborhood, how we use our internet connection, how all of these different things, isn't it to be to the glory of God? And so are you glorifying God in what you're doing? And then, man, these notes that I don't have in front of me right now, I'm adding fingers as I go. I would also say, how does the mission of God factor in to your decision? Um, and just an example that I could use was, uh, I went to Brazil with Larry Lyon. He was our mission pastor. And uh, he was invited to go to dinner with um, a gal from a church in, I think it was Rio de Janeiro. And her husband, who was not a believer, and he went out to dinner and the husband ordered a beer and Larry just felt like the Lord was like, you need to order a beer and have a beer with this guy. And they just, they drank their beer and they ate their meal and they had wonderful conversations about Jesus. And the next day the wife came and spoke to him and just said, um, the, the husband just said, man, just the conversation that we had and that he was just a real guy like me and that we were able to just be real people and talk to each other about the Lord. Um, that was something that had really softened her husband's heart like she had never seen before. And so sometimes there may be that time that the Lord says, right now, this may be a, a witnessing moment where it could be a benefit, you know? Or if your conviction is no, a witnessing moment as to why. why? It's not that I'm better than you. But here's my testimony, and here's where I'm from. And so that's why I'm not going to have one, but you can have one. It's not going to bother me if you have one at the dinner, you know, or whatever. So uh, there's a whole lot of principles there just to get into in one verse. Uh, but this one certainly would be a wisdom literature for us um, to say, hey, the misuse of this could be a brawler, a noisy, clamorous problem and, uh, and it could bring destruction to your home and to your community. It could take lives. We know that. And, uh, and so it's, it's not something to be played with, uh, for certain. So thank you guys for hearing me out on that. 
And uh, I think we'll get into, oh, just we'll just kind of breeze through this chapter because we don't have enough weeks to just uh, camp out on verse 1 of uh, Proverbs 20. The wrath of the king is like the roaring of a lion. Whoever provokes him to anger sins against his own life. It's honorable for a man to stop striving since any fool can start a quarrel. And so, man, this is good when it's like, oh, should I, should I open up my mouth and, and kind of poke the bear, you know, um, whether it's the previous verse with the king and making him mad or whether it's just, you know, this person just said something and it just ticked me off and I just can't let it go untouched, you know. And I had a, a situation like that recently uh, this week. And it was in front of a bunch of other Christians uh, from the church. And someone just did something that they've done. Uh, I'm going to use the pronouns they just so that you don't think of who it is, whether it was a girl or a guy. So I'm going to just say they, right? So that you're not like, oh, I know exactly. She is always like that. You know what? Okay. Okay. It was a lady. Okay. Let's just say that. Okay. I'm not going to say her name though. Okay. Okay. But it was, no, just kidding. Uh, you know, but just the, the same stuff as always, you know, and right in front of everyone. And it's always in front of everyone. And it happened. And I was like, you know what? This is it. Like, gloves are coming off. She's getting a spanking publicly. And it's happening right here, right now. And the Lord was like, you might want to just go ahead and uh, zip that lip up, you know. Um, but you guys know how it is. It's like, they said it again, and that's it. And I'm going to, like, take the gloves off, you know. And... uh but the wisdom would be, it's actually honorable to just stop the fighting. Like, whatever, you know, just let them, you've already had the conversation, you know, and that was this case. Like, we've already talked about this a thousand times, and you know what's going on. But, and, and so you know it's just not going to do it. Like, I'm just going to just be quiet, right? Um so that's an honorable thing. And so if you don't mind me tooting my own horn, like I was pretty honorable that day. And no, I'm just kidding, right? Um, any fool can start a quarrel. Any fool, any idiot can be the one that's like, yeah, and I'm going to keep poking you. I'm going to dig at it. I'm going to pick at it. I'm going to poke you. And like, I'm ready to rumble. Anybody can do that. And a lot of times they lose the rumble. I don't know if you've seen those videos on YouTube. A lot of like picking on someone and then... Homeboy's been in jujitsu class for the last 20 years, you know, just lock him up tight. Um, but it's an honor, ESV says, for a man to keep aloof from strife. And New Living Translation, avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. Only fools insist on quarreling. Moving on. The lazy man will not plow because of winter. He will beg during harvest and have nothing. And so the lazy guy, he won't plant in the planting season. It's too hot, so I'm not going to plant in the heat. It's too cold, so I'm not going to plant in the cold. And when harvest time comes around, they're hoping maybe something just grew up naturally and there's nothing, and they're going to be begging, you know. Uh, and so there's some more wisdom a little bit later about the sluggard and the lazy guy. We'll get that. Uh, we'll read that in a little bit. But our previous chapter, Proverbs 19:15, you'll probably see it on the same page you're on. Laziness casts one into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger. And, uh, and so we're going to see just that in poverty and hunger, you don't work, you don't eat. That's a New Testament principle. Uh, number five, verse five, counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of understanding uh, will draw it out. Uh, this is kind of an interesting um, passage, and I was couple little resources that I read. I'm not quite sure what take to take on it because it could go this way. You're with someone and you know they've got something to speak into your situation or a situation there in the room and you might need to kind of get the well bucket and be like, come on, Daryl. You know, come on, Daryl. Speak speak into this. Daryl's like, well, I don't never really had much you know, interaction with something. Come on, Daryl. You got something deep in there, man. You got to, yeah, you know, now that I mentioned it, I, you know, that you mentioned it, I have kind of, you know, and then just, it's like, drawing it out or it might be have you ever been in those places where you have the opportunity to speak into someone's life counsel and you're like i got i have no degree like i've just been reading my bible lately in quiet time and and 
I'm supposed to say something to this person and you just rely on the Holy Spirit and just let the Lord draw it out or or maybe your wife's sitting right there next to you and she elbows you and she says, tell him, tell him, tell him about that time that, you know, you were there and you did that or your testimony with that, you know, and and just all of a sudden it comes gushing out and then on the car ride home, you just look at each other like, I can't believe that came out of me. I don't know, you know, really that's the story of all ministry. None of us feel sufficient for the task at hand. And then we just open up our mouth and let the Holy Spirit speak. And then we drive home and we're like, man, the Lord is faithful. You know, um, most men, verse six, will proclaim each his own goodness. Um, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. I think I used the text comparison tool on my computer today more than I ever have. Because a lot of times I'm like, what is this talking about? And so it's so helpful to go to other translations and see how they applied the Greek wording. And so most men proclaim his own goodness. And what I found most helpful is most men will declare they're a loyal friend is what that's speaking of. Oh, yeah, I'm your best buddy. I'm here for you, man. I got your back, you know. And uh, But who can find a, a faithful man? You know, are they really there? And that's just, it's kind of Solomon venting a little bit there. A man who's trustworthy, who can find? Verse 7, the righteous man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. So men, if you'll walk in purity and holiness and innocence and blamelessness, man, you leave a legacy after you of happiness. That means blessed are his children or happy are his children. The Psalms say this, and listen to this. I have the whole verse underlined from this Psalm. That means that I really liked it. it says 3725, I've been young and now I'm old, yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. And so if you're a righteous man and you're merciful and you're a lender and you're generous and you're walking in righteousness, your family won't be begging bread. Here's this. I was young and now I'm old. And I'm telling you this, people that were following and walking in the fear of the Lord, I've never seen them hungry. You know, I've never seen them just with a disaster of a family walking out, like get into a life of righteous living, fearing the Lord. Your descendants will be happy. Verse 8, a king who sits on the throne of judgment scatters all evil with his eyes. And uh, I like the couple other translations, and I'm just going to paraphrase off my lips. Winnow the chaff with his eyes. So he's a righteous judge. That was back in the day. The kings were those main judges, and they just picture that. A winnowing fork is what their eyes are, and they just can kind of toss the the chaff and keep the wheat, you know, and verse 26 is going to say something very similar when we get down there. Verse nine, who can say I've made my heart clean. I'm pure from sin. Um, you know, interesting. Most references went towards those passages that speak of all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All are under sin apart from Jesus. So who can say I'm innocent of myself? But the answer in the New Testament of this would say, how have I made my heart clean? I've turned to Jesus. He's made it clean from sin. He's made me pure from sin. A little bit of gospel there in the midst of a proverb. Verse 10, diverse weights and diverse measures, they are both alike an abomination to the Lord. Uh, we're going to see this again also towards the end of the chapter. Uh, it's just interesting. What's on the guy's heart as he's writing with his personality. He's like, you know what I've seen a lot of as a king these days? As I've been using my winnowing forks of my eyes to throw out the chaff. And he's like, you know what I've been seeing? A lot of people that are scoundrels that are using diverse weights and measurements. And listen to what Deuteronomy says about it. You shall not have in your bag different weights, a heavy and a light. You shall not have in your house different measures, a large and a small. You shall have a perfect and just weight a perfect and just measure that your days may be lengthened in the land, which the Lord, your God is giving you for all who do such things, all who behave unrighteously are an abomination to the Lord. Isn't it interesting? It seems like Solomon knew Deuteronomy because he used the same language. It's an abomination to be unjust like that. And I was just driving down here actually. And I was like, Lord, show us how we need to hear from this. 
Like, how do we need to hear? You know, anybody here recently, you've got like a scale in your shop with you use the little like grams or whatnot, and you're weighing out something for somebody, and you nobody does that, right? <laughs> like, I, I don't think. I mean, Mark's been weighing everybody's 4-H steers over at his place, and i got to tell you, those McKinnon Reds are a little heavier than all the other ones that are coming in. But he's over there on the phone acting like he's not listening right now. But we all know. He, okay. Um, you know, but what is it? And I was just like, oh, an extra piece of OSB on the truck, you know, or, you know, throwing an extra fitting in um, at Ace hardware no one will know it's just a shark bite clamp you know and 75 cents or something or just fudge on my tax just a little bit or you know whatever you get paid under the table and this and that what are the ways that or you know what are the ways that we are though um we're just not being honest in our business dealings with our fellow man i don't know you think about it anybody else have a good idea what would sometimes it's fun to think think of these things you know yeah, me too. Okay. Um, even a child is known by his deeds, whether what he does is pure and right. So, yeah, you, you know, don't judge everyone just based on one poor life decision or something. It's like, okay, well, there's redemption and all that stuff. But you know what? Even a child, they're known by what they've done. And it's just some, some little wisdom here. Do not love sleep lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you will be satisfied with bread. Um, you know, how easy it is to be lazy and get nothing done. And uh, after, let's see, we had our quinceanera on Saturday, had to prepare for that, prepare to teach Romans and kind of catch up on my notes from last week, Get teach Romans, play a little red electric guitar, which was a lot of fun. That kind of revived me a little. Uh, go out to Polina, um, spend time out in Polina, come home. I was just really tired after this weekend. And... Um, and I woke up the next morning at like 6 a.m. And I was like, ah, rats. You know, I was kind of hoping for like a 7 o'clocker or something like that. And I put my pillow over my head and fell back asleep and uh, woke up. Lindsay had gone to work. Good husband, huh? Lindsay had gone to work. <laughs> and uh, the kids started kind of filtering in and playing in the room. And I got up and I thought it was maybe 8.30. I was like, wow, I really slept. Looked at my watch. It was 10.30. I know. Hey. Yeah. Guys, seriously. Okay. God. Okay. Um, so that was bad. It was real bad. So I stayed up really late doing hard work into the night. No, I didn't. Um, but, uh, man, too much of that, though, you'll go hungry, right? I mean, you don't eat until 1030 in the morning. You're hungry. So, Okay. Do not... Okay, we read that one. Um, oh, yeah. So I was just thinking, too, in Polina this week, we went through 1 Corinthians 16, and there's this cl concluding passage where Paul says to the Corinthians, who were kind of that troublemakers type of people and were um, probably sleeping in late and not working very hard and get paying their bills and things. And he says, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, and be strong. Like, with something like that, you have to read it in a Ken Graves voice. If you know who Pastor Ken Graves is from Bangor, Maine, Calvary Chapel guy. Looks like the brawny guy, but with great hair. You know, and it's just, be a man. You know, it just talks like that, you know. Watch, stand fast in the faith. Be brave. Be strong. Of course, he uses the King James Version, which if you know it, it says, quit ye like men. Like, I don't know what that means, but I'm going to quit ye like men. You know, be a man is what he said. And all this was happening back when uh, Russell was a baby and skinny jeans were just becoming popular. And uh, a lot of the, the guys on staff and at Calvary Corvallis and stuff, they were all cruising around in these skinny jeans and these flat Tom's shoes and all this stuff. And we were building a church and driving backhoes and skid steers around. And I'm like, what are you doing? Going in with your latte in the morning. Chris and I are out here digging holes in the snow. You know, and uh, so we taught our son, be a man. And he used to hit the table. Be a man, quoting Ken Graves. Quit ye like men. And look at him, guys. Not too shabby, huh? Okay. All right. Uh, moving right along a little faster. It's good for nothing, cries the buyer. It's good for nothing, cries the buyer. 
But when he's gone his way, he's like, this is awesome. <laughs> and this is just takes me to Nepal or Israel, and you're bartering for your goods, you know? And, uh, man, I'll tell you, some people that you want on your team when you go to barter, Chris and Michelle Cross and Jake Childers, okay? I mean, I'm in there trying to buy a green jacket for my mom that's North Face knockoff, and I'm like, I only brought 20 rupees in here with me. I don't think I can get it today. And Jake comes in there. You know as well as I do that that coat is not worth 20 rupees. You got a million of those back there, and you're selling them for way above price, and you're pocketing it. No, we're not, you know, not budging at all. And I'm like, you know. And, uh, you know, and so you, you, bit, you bit barter them down, and then you walk out. You're like, you're telling them, like, this isn't even quality. You know, you sew these patches on there back in the back, don't you? You sew these North Face patches on there. And then, you know, you walk out and you're like, these are awesome. I think they're better than real North Face. I've had three of these and they last longer than, you know. And uh, I don't know why Solomon put this in here. I don't know what the moral is, but it's funny. Okay. Uh, even, okay, where are we at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is gold and a multitude of rubies, but the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel. Um, yeah, I don't have time to read some of these wonderful cross-references just about those who find wisdom. The, the worth of wisdom is far beyond rubies and silver. And Solomon could speak that from experience, and that was his spiritual gift, was wisdom like this. Um, Take the garment of one who's surety for a stranger and hold it as a pledge when it is for a seductress. I'm going to tell you right now, I had to cross check the other versions of this because it's a confusing passage and let me see if i can just summarize it uh seductress is not the common probably best translation but stranger and foreigner is and so ultimately the principle being taught here is like it's okay when you're making business deals to take that collateral and to take that assurance um for you know, the business deal that you're t making, that's okay and a wise thing to do. And especially if it's a stranger and the context seems to be something about, um, like I'm introducing you to a stranger to you and technically foreigner and alien is what we're speaking of. And, uh, and so I'm willing to put up this cause I'm speaking for this person. And so it's kind of the best that I can do with that. My mind did go to kind of the border and all that's going on there. And that it's not a bad thing to just have good borders and good principles. And how how can you um, just make sure that everything's being done properly and all of the dealings that are happening out there? Um, tough one, though, for sure. Bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterwards his mouth will be filled with gravel. So you steal the bread and uh, and that's the New Living Translation says it'll turn to gravel while it's in your mouth. Uh, and so stolen waters are sweet, uh, but it'll end up being very bitter. Plans are established by counsel, but wise counsel wages war. And so how good it is to have counsel. Can I just encourage you guys with something? One thing that my whole life as a pastor, it just baffles me is when you're going to go and make a big decision, please get wise counsel. It doesn't have to be from me. It doesn't have to be from one of the elders. Um, I think that that would be good and wise. But there's a lot of other people in this circle even with the gifts of wisdom and just that would be able to just help pray with you and direct you. But just, oh, it just grieves me so often just... Big decisions are made. Big things are sold, bought. The move happens, you know, and and like I didn't even know you were moving, you know, and like I, I just think the community. And I'm not asking, I'm not telling you you got to get permission. Don't hear that. But I'm just saying, man, we have got to walk in wisdom and biblically, it, it's through counsel with one another. Okay, so uh, that's a big principle, especially in the big things like going to war. You know, and you know what Jesus says about that. Like, you got to do calculate how many troops you got. Are you going to be able to win this battle, or is it time to make some peace terms right now? Okay. Um, all right. He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with the one who flatters with his lips. So, 
uh, a gossip, a gossipy person. They just love the, the gossip. It's like a tasty trifle. And Solomon says, be careful who you're hanging out with. Um, if you know of someone that's a gossip, um, if they gossip about somebody else, guess who else they're going to gossip about? You. So be, be cautious in that is the wisdom there. Whoever curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in deep darkness. And the law said in Exodus, if you curse your father or mother, you shall surely be put to death. And any teenagers here, kids here that are paying attention, listen to this. Don't curse your mom and dad. All right? It won't be well with you, Ephesians tells us. You won't live a long life in the land. And isn't it tempting as kids... Uh, to, to curse mom and dad. I think you've heard me say before, uh, I would, in my rebellious time, I would get, I was really harsh to my mom and I would get in fights with her when I was in middle school. And of course she'd leave the room and I'd flip her off behind the door. And I know this Rory Rogers, you guys. Um, and that is just, that is the cursing of your father and mother. That is not the honoring of your father and mother. And, um, and, and so, man, just want to encourage you kids, don't go down that road. It just causes your heart to be a bitter, bitter stream. Uh, rather honor, speak words of, like, I appreciate what you're saying to me. I'm struggling with it. I'm going to be praying about it. And try to be mature in those conflicts as you're growing up. I, I'm reading the room right now, you guys. The park, the sun's going down. Uh, we're two-thirds of the way through. And these will go fast. An inheritance gained hastily at the beginning will not be blessed at the end. So you come into some money. It's really super fast. Maybe not even by honest gain. Um, and, uh, and so typically that individual doesn't know how to properly use that and spend that and invest that. And it's going to go into licentious living, prodigal son type living. And that's what's true most of the time uh, in the case of maybe if it's not legitimate gain. And then if someone does come into a legitimate inheritance quickly, anybody here, you don't have to raise your hand, but like, you know, like I know how it is. Like grandma died all of a sudden, like I got some money in the bank and, uh, and there just needs to be the wisdom on how to spend such a thing. It's not that there's anything wrong with grandma passing away and you getting it, but man, you gotta be wise when it comes in so fast, you weren't prepared for wisdom. Uh, do not say, I will recompense evil. Wait for the Lord and he will save you. And I don't know if there's anybody here today that you just feel like you just want to just have some revenge in your life against somebody that's done something to you. And the, the wisdom, Old Testament and New, all the way up to Romans 12, 17 and 19 is, don't say, I'm going to get revenge. Just wait on the Lord and trust in the Lord for him to do it in the right time. Amen. I look just at a whole bunch of eyes out there that are just full of revenge. He just has me sitting here all night long. Like I got nothing else to do and there's still dessert over there that I got to get. I'll show him. Yeah. Uh, but you know, sometimes we do want people to get theirs. Oh, they'll get theirs. Oh, it's just an ugly heart. Div, uh, 23 diverse weights are an abomination to the Lord and dishonest scales are not good. Broken record, broken record, right? But I like, I appreciate he dumbed it down for me at the end. Rory, I know a couple verses ago I said it's an abomination and you're struggling with that word. So let me just break it down to your education level. It's just not good. Oh, okay. Thanks. Okay. Um, so I appreciate that. A man's steps are of the Lord. How then can a man understand his own ways? And so those are just those times where we just say, man, I don't really know uh, if the Lord wills, I'm going to go do this and that. But Lord willing... I don't really know, you know, I'm just trusting, I'm praying, I'm getting counsel, I'm fasting, I'm getting in the word and, uh, and I can't say for certain this is what we're going to do and what's going to happen, but the Lord knows, uh, it's a snare for a man to devote rashly to something as holy and afterward to reconsider his vows. And so just, if you're someone that's loose with the lips and you like to speak fast before you think and pray about it. This is a verse for you to be careful when you declare something to be from the Lord. And sometimes that even leads to the decision that you and your friends or your team make. 
and then you come back and kind of act, you know, oh, it's not the Lord, you know. Uh, you want to be careful with that kind of stuff. The word rash is used there, which speaks of an itchy red scab. No, I'm kidding. That's not what it is, a rash. It's a different kind of rash. Grandma is the only one awake right now. Good job, Grandma. I knew it'd be you. All right. Uh, a wise king sifts out the wicked and brings the threshing wheel over them. Does that sound familiar? Remember, like it was like verse three or four or something, where the king's eyes are like um, a winnowing. winnowing fan or a winnowing <laughs> fork. Thank you. You know, and uh, and now the picture is that, and the king is like a threshing floor, you know, or a, a threshing wheel, and he just knows the just and then just. The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord searching all the inner depths of his heart. And I just appreciated this verse today, studying it, that there's something about that we are not just flesh and blood and lumps of meat, you know, no offense, but like animals, okay? We were created in the image of God in a class of our own. And does anybody remember what God did to us when we were just a, a stack of dirt on the ground that caused us to come to life? He breathed into us. So we have this, uh, a spirit, okay? We, are, we have the spirit of a man. And this is just encouraging, I think, that um, the fact that we have a spirit helps us in our decisions and in... Um, in the, in the places we find ourselves in life and that the Lord knows the spirit of a man. Remember what Paul said in first Corinthians two, for what man knows the things of a man, except the spirit of a man, which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God, except the spirit of God. So there's just something about that. We uh, have been made in the image of God and we aren't just flesh and blood, but we're spiritual that causes some, something about it all to be a little deeper and in a good way, I mean, like, especially when you're born again and you're given the Holy Spirit, it all is like, God's doing something in me through these tough things and through these decisions I've got to make. Like, we can trust the Lord, even in each other, Christians. Okay, I'm wrapping it up. I know I say that before. Mercy and truth preserve the king, and by loving kindness, he upholds his throne. And Solomon writes this, and I don't think his son Rehoboam got the message. You remember what his son Rehoboam did? All the workers were like, hey, if you could just go easy on us. Your dad worked us so hard. It was almost slave labor building the temple. And if you could go easy on us, man, we're going to love you for it. You're going to just have a lot of friends. He said, I'm going to go talk to some people about that. He goes and he talks to the elders and they say, yeah, that is awesome. They're, they're going to love you. I'm going to go talk to someone else. Goes and talks to his buddies, you know, around the pop machine, playing foosball and uh, pickleball, you know, and I uh, thought Wade might like that. And, uh, and they're like, what are you talking about, dude? This is your time to shine. You're going to rule even harder than your dad. Why don't you tell him that, that your, da your dad's might is like your pinky and your might is like the waist. And, uh, and so he told him that, and it didn't go well, and the kingdom was divided because of it. If he would have walked in mercy and truth, his kingdom would have been preserved. 29, the glory of young men is their strength. Just real quick, let's look around at some of these young guys here. Uh, do you remember the day, guys? Do you remember the day? What other young guys? Lucas right there. Who else do we have? Garrett, I'm going to throw you in that. I actually was thinking of you when I was studying it today. Oh, we got some young dads there. I think you're still in the mix, pretty much. Nope, not you, Dustin. Okay. Um, young men, just look at the... And young women, look at these strong, strong, strong ones, right? Oh, so that's a glorious thing. Just, like, enjoy that, right? Um, that's your glory, your strength. Last night we were having dinner, the Olkers and the McKinnons, and... All three of our teenage boys, it's always right at dinner time. Dinner! And you hear the front door slam, and they're all going for their five-mile run. And we look out on the... My view looks out at the Barnesview Trailhead, the paved path, and we see him running down. I think Jacob was on a bike. He was kind of slacking off. Like, oh, I, did you even see Jacob? Man, the glory of a young man, Jacob, right there. And I go out on my deck, and I whistle real loud, and they act like they can't hear me. But just to see those young stallions running on that trail... <laughs> pretty incredible and that's a that's a beautiful thing 
<laughs> Sorry, young ladies, if I'm getting your heart beaten real fast. <laughs> and the splendor of old men is their gray head. Now, this is your turn, guys. Take those lids off. Let's see it. Justin, Wolf. Man, Justin and I grew up together. I remember when that was black hair. John, I think of your hair, man, the gray wolf over there. You know, Ken, still pretty dark, man. I don't think you're in the I don't think you're in the club yet. Wade, you got a good one. Oh, Daryl, I was thinking of you, buddy. Although I think it's most oh no, it's all in the head. Yeah. What else do we got? It's going coming around the horn here. Chris, the burns are looking. I see a little of it. Timothy doesn't have any hair, okay. Um, Mark, not bad. Uh, yeah, here we go, Bill. Looking good. I think you're the epitome of this verse right here. The glory, the splendor coming around. So wonderful. All right. Now, I, of course, this is just fun, right? But there is something so... The splendor speaks of adornment and majesty in that gray head. And I just want to encourage you. I have a little bit of gray um, coming in now. And when I wear a hat, I just only see gray. So it's kind of like sad uh, for me. Um, but there is something so wonderful, older friends and gals, I'm going to bring this you into this as well, about the things that God has brought you through in your life and that you are here right now. You have something very special to give. And um, there are many verses. I don't have the other cross-references in my notes, but uh, there are many verses regarding your ministry is to go and disciple the people behind you and to help them to get through life. Of course, Titus, too, is one of those, right? And, uh, and go look for the young moms and go encourage the young moms and speak into them. It's going to be okay. And and marriage is hard. Speak into the marriages. Speak into the business decisions and those things. You have lived it. And now that I'm 41, I know that that's nothing. You still think of me as a kid. Yep. Uh, and Russell, you can come on up. But, you know, uh, last week was our 14-year anniversary of living in Prineville and, um, and being a senior pastor of a church. And... Um, you know, there have been some crazy things. I, I could write a book, you know, but just as I look forward, it's like God's past faithfulness through all of the good and the bad and the hard. It's like he's going to be there in, in the future for all of that as well. And it just tempers some of those harder things because he's been so faithful. And my pastor Rob always says, if God has brought you to it, he's going to lead you through it. And he has, and he will. And sometimes people just need someone with a gray head to come up to them and just tell them, it's going to be okay. You're going to get through this. You're going to be looking at this from 10 years on the other side of this situation someday. And you're just going to be like, I'm not, I don't even, why was that such a big deal? You know, or God was so faithful. It was a big deal, but he's so faithful. And here we are. And now just the joy of the Lord is all over us. And I remember one of the hardest things that I went through uh, as a pastor was, um, uh, I was a young pastor and someone came to me and told me here that, uh, he didn't think that I was called to be the lead pastor here, maybe still to be a youth pastor, but not, um, not the pastor. And, and he'd like to bring in an independent board to review me and see if I should be here or not. And, and I just said, I'm going to take a month. I'm going to fast and pray about that. I'll get back to you. And the Lord just spoke through my wise counselors and me that I didn't ask to come here. I was asked to come here and the qualifications of character and gifting were there and just people brought me here, you know? And so I just rested in that and it was fine. But I remember this was a very powerful person that spoke, that was, it was speaking this to me and it was very scary. And our home looks over Barnes Butte. And I was in my office just sweating and eating anxious bread and tapping my foot and just, ah. Oh. And the Lord says, do you see that Barnes Butte right there? Uh, that was there 500 years ago, a thousand years ago. And guess what? Like, it's going to be there 500 years from now if I tarry, you know, 
It like it is immovable, and I just want you to know that's you, Rory. And it's not that I'm anything special, and that like, but like, if if the Lord is with me, like we're immovable, you guys. And so you just need someone with gray hair that is just like, oh, honey, you're crying, you're weeping, you're hurting, you know, like your marriage is struggling. Please, if you have a healthy marriage and you've the Lord's taken you through stuff, please just make yourself available to be a marriage counselor in our church. You know, talk to the youth, speak youth, listen to the the gray heads. And so don't don't rob us. Um, sometimes, you know, a danger, we're going to be having a seniors ministry meeting. Ken Curvin's going to be having it soon. And uh, we had a seniors, we have a seniors ministry in the past. And one of the unhealthy things was that the seniors, it was hard to get them to mingle with the young people. And the vice versa can be true too. It can be hard to get the youth group to mingle with the older folks, which is what's this, what's so nice about this, huh? Um, but let's not rob each other of the strength and the guys that can come and help you move and get your hay and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, um, I'm, I'm rambling, but I got a few more things on my heart. I could talk about I'm just kidding. So you guys feel like standing with me and we'll close in a song. Lord, just so much here, like scattered, scattered thoughts and ideas. And we know that it's all from you and, uh, Lord, anything that kind of struck a chord here tonight? Lord, we just pray that we would submit to your word in and just receive your wisdom for how to proceed in those different relationships and business deals and the move and the sale and all of those things and just our behavior and our liberties and all those things, Lord. We don't want to injure or harm the one Christ loved with our liberties, whatever they may be, the, the wide range of Christian liberties, but that love would be paramount, that we wouldn't have an idol of, of, an, um, of, a, of a food or a drink or an entertainment or a, um, a hobby or anything, and we wouldn't have a, an idol of our rights. That can be just as much of an idol. So, Lord, just humbly we come and just pray that the work of the Holy Spirit would just continue to just shape our body to be conformed in the image of Christ and just be a bride that is well-pleasing, waiting for your return. So we worship you in this last song. Lord. Uh, just